Is there still room? As children Solomon's wisdom missed, and heirs the righteousness of Job confounds, we ask, is there still room? Room for Lent in a pandemic? Cause it's Wednesday and the familiar refrains resound, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. For from dust we have come and to dust we shall return, but in a year of unceasing loss, does death still need reminding? And man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of God, but in a season of community already robbed, do I have to give something else up? And if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and there is no truth therein. But can one repent what one had no opportunity to do? For who can wound without occasion to touch? And who can harm those they have no fortune to see? So I say to my Ebenezer, is there still room? Room for Lent in a pandemic. Thank you, Ife, for that good and hard and soul-stirring word. Is there still room for Lent in a pandemic? I hope you'll let that word sit with you as we enter this season. Today is Ash Wednesday, the first day of the Lenten season. The word Lent comes from an old English word, Lenten, meaning springtime. Springtime is when we see the cold of winter thaw. We see the days become lighter. Springtime is when we are reminded that barrenness and death do not have the final word. As new life makes its way to the surface, resilient, undeterred, inexorable shoots and buds and flowers beginning to appear, reminding us that for everything, there is a season. That's what the writer of Ecclesiastes said. As we look back over the last year, remembering that our Ash Wednesday service in 2020 was one of the last in-person gatherings we had together here in our church office on H Street. And as we look forward to what lies ahead with the desperate hope that we may soon be able to see one another again in person safely, that reminder bears particular poignance for me. The writer of Ecclesiastes also said, all of us go to the same place. All are from the dust and all return to the dust. And he was quoting from Genesis 3, the same words God spoke to Adam, the same words we would say to you if we were able to be together, marking crosses on your forehead with ash. Dust you are and to dust you will return. There's a certain somberness to those words. It can seem a little morose, a little depressing. Ash Wednesday isn't usually a particularly lighthearted affair. Although for the handful who were able to come out this afternoon for in-person ashes in the minor parking lot and, and, and communion, there was a beautiful sense of joy in being able to see each other in person, some for the first time in a year. But Lent is more than about just being sad and depressed. That There can be a sense that... You know, because Ash Wednesday is about remembering our mortality and our fragility, that it means we, it must be sad and we must sit in all of the loss and the lament and the limits that are put on us as if the last year has not happened, as if we have not already experienced and sat amidst so much loss and lament and so many limits. 
So as Ife said just a moment ago, what room is there for Lent in a pandemic? A common practice during Lent is to fast from something, to give something up for the next few weeks, to make room, to make room, to cut out social media or sugar or something else so that the longings that gnaw at our attention when we might typically or instinctively reach for that thing might instead drive us to someone else. See, as much as Lent is about acknowledging all of our humanity, it is also about making space for the one who made us, the one in whose image we are made, the one in whom we find all of our life and hope and joy and peace and rest and healing and restoration, all of the things we have been longing for over the last year. Each of us has coped with this last year in the ways that we knew how. We have done what we needed to survive. We have, out of necessity, made our worlds a little smaller. For some, this year has driven us to the Lord. For others, to be honest, this year has driven us away from God, driven us into busyness or activity or distraction or numbing or doubt. We have done what we needed to make it through. The invitation to all of us today comes through the words of the prophet Joel, who says, yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your hearts, with fasting, with weeping, and with sorrow. Tear your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, very patient, full of faithful love, and ready to forgive. Yet even now, return to the Lord your God. That's the message. Traditionally, there are other passages of Scripture that are used around Ash Wednesday, and each of them carries the same idea, the same message. In Isaiah 58, God speaks through the prophet Isaiah to tell the people of Israel that their outward shows of worship are no worship at all because they have neglected justice and their neighbor. Instead, he says, isn't this the fast I choose? Releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke. Isn't it, it sharing your bread with the hungry? And bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them and not hiding from your own family, then your light will break out like the dawn and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and God will say, I'm here. Yet even now, return to the Lord your God. Or in Psalm 51, the well-known confession of King David after he had violated Bathsheba and killed her husband Uriah, which begins with the plaintive cry of, Have mercy on me, O God, and ends with the acknowledgement that his heart, not his clothing, must be torn. A broken spirit is my sacrifice, God. Yet even now, return to the Lord your God. In 2 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul writes, So we are ambassadors who represent Christ. God is negotiating with you through us. We beg you as Christ's representatives, be reconciled to God. Yet even now return to the Lord your God. And Matthew 6, it says, when you pray, when you give, when you fast, the gospel writer assumes that these are things we will do. Because whether we get credit for them or not, whether they are seen or not, yet even now we will return to the Lord our God. In the words of Dr. King, 
the time is always right to do right. The time is always right to do right. The time is always right to do right in repentance. The time is always right to do right in confessing when we have done wrong. When we have gone astray, whenever we realize it, the time is always right to do right. When we have done wrong, the time is always right to apologize, whether we meant to or not. The time is always right to name the injustice and the evil all around us and deep within us. The time is always right to do right. As the Spirit sheds light into our own lives then, revealing to us the places and spaces where we need to confess where we need to come clean, where we need to be restored, we repent and we return to the Lord. This is more than just about individual confession and personal repentance, though. In each of those passages, the individual confession and the corporate confession, the corporate action are tied together. God calls all of the people together. In Joel, he says, blow the horn in Zion, demand a fast, request a special assembly, gather the people, all the people, prepare a holy meeting, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants, let the groom leave his room and the bride her chamber. This is a communal emergency. This is a national gathering for the people of Israel because we need all hands on deck. We live in a deeply individualistic society, in a country known for its love of freedom, where that freedom is often understood to mean the ability to do whatever one wants. I wish we were a country that was known for its love of neighbor, where freedom is, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians, a freedom to serve one another, a freedom to put one another's needs before our own. But I do know we are called to be a church that is known for that love. And so what might it look like for us to allow the Spirit of God to stir our imaginations for the things of God this Lent? For a vision of the kingdom, for neighbor love and inclusion, for welcome and justice and flourishing in our hearts and souls as well as our streets and neighborhoods. What might it look like for us to think in ever-expanding circles of response as we consider the communities of which we are part? What does repentance and return to God look like for me? What does it look like for you personally? What does repentance and return look like for my loved ones, for your family, for your small group, for our church? The time is now, my friends, because the time is always right to do right, to seek justice, to release restraints, to set free the mistreated, to feed the hungry and shelter the poor and cover the naked and safeguard our family in need. The time is always right to do right, and right always begins with repenting and returning to God. And right always ends in goodness and life not just for us, but for all people. This Lent, 
may we know the fullness of our humanity, both good and bad. May we know the fullness of the God in whose image we are made, the grace and the truth. May we know the presence of the God who invites us in every moment, with every breath, to return to God for the sake of the world and for the sake of our own souls. Perhaps we might make room for that this Lent. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.